Welcome to sure. the podcast for Holy Thursday in year B. We are in our series called Rethinking Religion, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in a bit. Of course, there are many materials related to this series on the foundation resources at Wells Congregational Services. Uh, just to remind you of our participants for this series, Pastor John Scharf from Abiding Grace in Covington, Georgia, and Pastor Phil Hebner from Wisconsin Lutheran High School in Milwaukee. Also with us today is Professor Joel Otto from the seminary, and I'm John Mitchell from Wisconsin Lutheran Seminary. So uh, let's begin with you, Phil, if we could. Could you describe how Holy Thursday fits into the Rethinking Religion series and theme? I'd be glad to. Uh, we've been on a journey now uh, throughout all of Lent, Rethinking Religion, starting way back with our priorities, uh, Ash Wednesday, but also we did some time talking first Sunday of Lent about trials, tests, temptations, and we rethought how God uses those as well as suffering in our lives. We thought about the worth of worship, the solution to sin, which of course is Christ and his cross, how we're committed to the Lord. And then uh, on Palm Sunday or the Passion Sunday, we rethought what real strength is. And so now here we are, we're reaching our goal, which is Jesus' goal and the cross for us. And we're going to rethink our appetites today. And so the appetites that we have as strong desires for something, we, we have plenty of desires with our sinful nature and our flesh and plenty of things in the world that clamor for our appetite. But we're, what we're going to focus on, especially for this Holy Thursday, this Maundy Thursday uh, discussion, is rethinking our appetite for Christ, for his body and blood, as he gives it to us in the sacrament of Holy Communion, but also our strong desire and appetite for unity um, together with other Christians. And so those thoughts will be directing our thoughts uh, as a, a theme for our discussion and for the text we're talking about today. Thank you, Phil. Uh, yeah, it's kind of a paradox, as many of, uh, of God's gifts are. Uh, he gives us his gifts, and they satisfy us, and they also make us keep wanting more, right? And I think we'll see that today. Uh, John, could we go to you for just a synopsis of the gospel and the first reading today? And then we'll get into the second reading for our sermon text discussion. But uh, gospel and first reading? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, John. Uh, so the scripture committee for our hymnal had a bunch of incredibly mentally taxing discussions in preparing this lectionary as a whole. But these readings tonight were kind of a no-brainer for a service that highlights the sacrament of the Lord's Supper based on Mark's gospel record of it. In the gospel, Jesus and his disciples were celebrating the Passover as Jesus calls out the betrayer and then gives this new covenant meal. The Old Testament reading then is the institution of that Passover that they were celebrating and the command to observe the ceremony until what happens in the gospel. It's fulfilled, replaced with a new covenant. And our text from Corinthians kind of picks up on several themes from, from both of these, right? From the gospel, the miraculous connection of the bread and the body, wine and blood, and then the fellowship it declares with God and with one another. And of course, the psalm has that famous reference to the cup of salvation and, and praises God for delivering from death. Yeah, beautiful uh, psalm appointment for this festival service. Well, then let's go to the second reading. Uh, uh, Joel, could you just get our text discussion started, highlighting any points that you think would be helpful for preachers? Sure, John, I'd be happy to. Um, when you think of the more immediate context of 1 Corinthians 10, it's Paul's talking about that idol worship. And, and when you 
engage in, in idol worship, you're really joining yourself to an idol. And he kind of uses this as the flip side, um, that when we are, uh, when we're celebrating Lord's Supper, uh, because Jesus' body and blood are truly present there with the bread and wine, um, we are in fellowship with him, but then also uh, we have that fellowship with one another. Uh, of course, a big word in, uh, especially verse 16, koinonia, um, you, you talk about it in terms of fellowship, communion, partnership, participation. Um, just there is that there is that closeness, that oneness with the body and blood and the bread and wine uh, in the sacrament. Um, one of those sadist, doc, sadist passages for um, scripture, interpreting scripture when it comes to the words of institution. And then verse 17, without using the word koinonia, but but still stressing the fact that um, we have this oneness with each other when we're celebrating the sacrament because we're all participating in the one body of Christ. We are expressing our our faith um, that here is how we are saved. It's through uh, the body and blood that Christ has sacrificed for us that we're now receiving in the Lord's Supper. Um, we have that we have that oneness. It's kind of interesting that um, you know, in connection with the gospel reading on the night Jesus was betrayed, when his disciples were had been arguing with each other, had not been showing very good fellowship, had making bold uh, promises that they weren't going to keep, uh, and one betraying, another denying, and yet here Jesus institutes this communal meal, um, and we think of the the appetites we have for that community, and here we find that uh, in the Lord's Supper. Yeah, thanks. Uh, let's talk more about that then um, in terms of how we might preach this text and some of the truths that are here. Um, on, on an occasion like this, with a text like this, brief as it is, uh, kind of focused as it is, um, yeah, is koinonia kind of the main point that you're bringing out when you preach on this, uh, the different aspects of that? How have you dealt with that or approached sort of the, the main thrust of this text? John? I think absolutely that 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 word koinonia and and all the richness of it, the the many ways it's used uh, throughout Scripture. You know, all of these fellowships, these these connections, these participations that are are described. You know, us with God, uh, we don't deserve to be in His presence, but but here we are invited to the sacred meal, the the body and the bread, the wine and the blood, uh, one loaf. The the many are one. So I think I think that really begs to be the 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 key idea that we're we're hitting at here yeah uh anything further to that koinonia idea or or how you approach it um uh or what do you, what do you talk oh joel go ahead well i just think kind of following up with what john said you just think of the diversity that we are that you're often dealing with in a congregation uh people from you know all different ages uh sometimes different economic socioeconomic backgrounds yet um, here we are coming together uh, to receive something together uh, and, and that expression of oneness that's there in the Lord's Supper. Yeah. Um, thinking of the uh, weekly theme that um, Phil was describing earlier, uh, is that maybe an approach to uh, preaching the law from this text? Uh, you know, appetites pointed in the wrong direction or uh, the desires that the flesh has um, to be satisfied with other things or to, to participate or take part in other things. How do you approach um, preaching the law from this text? Uh, Phil? Sure, I'll jump on that a little bit. Um, I think there's a lot of language, again, in the text that would color some of the 
uh, or all of the law preaching that we do. So one is the joining in and sharing in, you know, what do you actually join yourself to or share in or participate in, you know, whatever coloring of that word you can think of, but what worldly things are we um, participating in and joining ourselves to? And then a second thing that would maybe color, which is related to that, would be like the the hungering, thirsting kind of a thing, right? When we could be hungering and thirsting for this bread and wine, this body and blood, what are the things that we really are desiring, craving? So I, I guess my mind was going down like the sinful flesh desires kind of a thing. You know, what what's my appetite for, so to speak? Um, and so I guess using that kind of language is how I would start to color law discussion here. Um, what you're hungering for, what you're thirsting for, but also what you're joining yourself to or participating in. Mm, right, right. John? Yeah, what what you just said at the end there, really, I mean, just in the context of, you know, of, of the idol worship, what are you participating in? You know, um, this, this whole thing is a jaw-dropping thing. You know, not only... Uh, are we declaring fellowship with one another, even though we might be very different from the other people at the table? But but we're getting fellowship with God, uh, and and to think why, how could we ever then go and and live like we have fellowship with with the idols, with the 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 passions, the desires, the appetites of of this world? Um, you know, it's just it's just shocking, and I think I think that's really the. Um, the nub of it here in this text to to say you couldn't even think of this um and of course we know yeah but we have um and, and yet here here can i can i jump oh go ahead joel before i get to the the, the cure part of it yeah yeah <laughs> well i was gonna say you can almost turn that around a little bit too or where you get so focused on your other appetites that you forget about or don't think you need maybe um, what God is giving us in the sacrament. And I always love how Luther phrases that in those Christian questions. Um, there's that one question, if, if you if you don't feel hunger and thirst for this, what should you do? First, pinch yourself to see if you really are flesh and blood. Then look around you to see if you still live in the sinful world and, and realize the attacks you're going to have. And then understand, too, the devil's um, doing everything he can to keep you from what Jesus is giving you. Um, you know, just a reminder for people of that as well. Right, right. I think a version of that quote, by the way, got into the Christian questions that are now in the hymnal too, um, yeah. so which are kind of a, a compilation of different uh, Luther sayings and things. Uh, but yeah, so I saw some other uh, comments uh, coming here. Uh, Phil, I'll just uh, before it seems like John's going to drop some gospel on us, so I'll, I'll throw more law out. <laughs> uh, but just the good thoughts about the context too about idols, and then of course we think. Uh, we don't have such physical idols per se in front of us, at least in, in our country and culture of America, but the other idols that we participate in. And uh, the phrase came to my mind that we use slangly, uh, you are what you eat, um, I guess in some ways could apply here to this meal, um, but also just spiritually, um, you know, what we're putting in ourselves and the idols that we are uh, affixing ourselves to, even if it's just in our heart and mind and not... Uh, the altar of Zeus or something like that. Right, um, right. So anyways, yeah, good thoughts that from the other brothers though. Right. I was looking back at my first Corinthians notes and uh, at, at the context too. And it, Paul seems to be addressing the argument made by some of the Corinthians that uh, because we have baptism and the Lord's supper, and there's allusions to that earlier in chapter 10 too, uh, you know, the Israelites went were baptized, you know, through the sea and, 
drank from the spiritual rock. Uh, maybe the Corinthians were saying, because we have this sacrament, it's okay then to uh, consort with idols or take part in these idol feasts. And Paul says, no, it's the opposite. Because we have the Lord's Supper, that's a reason to not partake in these things. Uh, John? Yeah, and so then to those who um, so regularly uh, consort with yeah, those that, that you know, with, with those sins, with, with those other appetites, yet Jesus invites us to this feast. Um, you know, in the gospel, you have the whole context going on of, of, of you know, they're going to be, they're going to deny him. Uh, uh, they're going to abandon him. Peter's going to deny him. Judas is going to betray him. Uh, and and yet uh, um, he gives to those abandon, abandoners, if that's a word, and, and the uh, denier, um, this amazing invitation to, to gather around um, this feast. You know, and we, we mentioned it in the uh, Palm Sunday um, description that, that uh, uh, Hebrews 12, the uh, great company of witnesses that we talked about and, and the picture of, of uh, the altar in many churches being the semicircle, the completion um, being the, the, the body of all believers, you know, the, the saints who have gone before um yeah, just again, jaw dropping. Wow, Jesus would in invite me to this um, because of what He was about to do, and I mean, just the the whole context of Holy Week just uh, um, shocks you to say He is doing this as He's about to go to the Garden of Gethsemane and pray. Um, any other way, God, uh, and, and not my will, but Your will be done. Let rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer, and and. Who are you looking for? I am he. You know, all, all of that. Uh, this is in the middle of that. And Jesus says here, this is for you. Mm -hmm. Right. Thinking of us, thinking of his disciples then and now. Joel? Yeah, just kind of picking up what John said. I think, again, you think of when he, you know, the night he was betrayed when Judas is there, at least initially, and then Peter's there and these arguing disciples and these disciples who will desert him. And yet here he gives this food. And so then you think of, the people who come to your, who are being served by you as a pastor, um, the, the hurts they have, the the struggles they have, the guilt that they, they may be dealing with. And here um, you get the privilege of preaching to them on this night and then um, giving to them Jesus' very body and blood. I think that the, the hymnody um, that we have in, uh, in the Holy Communion section, and especially like the hymn of the day, um, Jesus Christ, our blessed Savior, just kind of brings that out in a number of verse stanzas. I think of verse stanza five. Christ says, Come all you that labor and receive my grace and favor. Those who feel no pain or ill need no physician's help or skill. Yeah. Um, related to malady thoughts, um, uh, or coming back to that, maybe related to verse 17. Um, uh, I'm also reminded in the, the bigger context here in Corinthians of the, the so-called strong Christians who were saying, hey, we can eat at idol, uh, eat idol temples, we can force feed uh, idol meat to those whose consciences won't let them eat it, um, to think of the divisions they were causing too. Uh, and so when we feed the appetites of our flesh, um, you know, that has ripple effects not only with, with our in our connection with God, but in our connection with one another. So it might be an, an angle to consider also. Uh, Phil? Yeah, I was just going to throw that out to the both of or to the three of you. Um, 
you know, how would you handle the law? Would you do a two-part sermon and one part kind of law with gospel remedy on verse 16, just about our appetites, what we desire, what we join ourselves to, and while Christ does this amazing thing for us. And then in verse 17, would you do a separate law gospel kind of pairing just on how we sin against each other, or we might not be united with each other, or we <laughs> we here we are standing next to uh, our our spouse at the Lord's table, just harboring this anger and this grudge from the argument that morning or that member down the row that we're kneeling next to or adjacent to that we just despise because of their thoughts on the budget. Um, or, or would you kind of unify the whole sermon under like this appetites thing and let that umbrella carry both thoughts? So I guess that's my question to you. Would you do a two-part uh, related yet different law gospel, you know, on verse 16 and 17, or would you let the appetite desire umbrella kind of carry the whole sermon for law? Yeah, good question. Uh, John, Joel, uh, any thoughts on that, how you might structure that, kind of deal with verse 16, law gospel thoughts, and then verse 17, law gospel thoughts, or kind of bring them together, treating sort of the, the different aspects of the malady, the different aspects of the gospel cure. What do you think? Or maybe you haven't thought that far yet, but Joel? I'd say I, I, the way I've treated this in the past is kind of what kind of along the lines that Bill said with the beginning there with the two parts. Um, it just seems to break up rather easily with verse 16, focus on the real presence. Uh, verse 17, you kind of focus on close communion um, related to each other because you've got that communal aspect in both in both sections, uh, the fellowship, partnership, um, but that's kind of how I've always treated that. But I, I think um, Phil's second point, you know, under one umbrella can, is is an intriguing intriguing way to approach it as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. John, I think I was thinking of um, the highlighting the the that coining of that fellowship and and all of these meals that are involved here, and just kind of walking through each of them so that the the second part uh, that Phil talked about would kind of be the um, I don't know that I'd be highlighting the malady of we're not getting along with each other here. I think that's a fine thing, the two parts, but uh, at least what I'm thinking, um, you know, kind of walking through from the Passover to the upper room to to our altar to, um, you know, looking forward to to being together in heaven. And so the, the key malady thoughts would be um, dealing with our relationship with God um, mm -hmm. and we don't deserve to be in any of these meals. Uh, the the Israelites proved again and again that that God shouldn't rescue them. Um, the yeah, the disciples, the abandoned, denying all of that stuff, prove God shouldn't rescue them. Uh, we should not be invited to this table, but but here God is inviting us and and giving us fellowship with Him. And then kind of the um, oh yeah, let's look at this beautiful bonus too. Um, you know, gravy of the the fellowship with one another. Um, okay, that, that's the right way, but uh, that that was where I was thinking. Um, yeah. Okay, great, uh, Joel. That's kind of actually, John. That's kind of uh, Mike Schultz's new hymn uh, in his in this holy blessed communion. Yeah. Sort of does that one yeah. one stanza for each of those. You know, kind of yep. three. Um, I know in the past, somewhere in the past, distant past, I know I preached on this text, and I had three. I had three parts, just kind of like that. Um, Maybe my less um, 
more more uh, structured um, old homiletic style, but uh, um, mm -hmm. yeah, I think there's different options you have to approach this text, certainly. Sure, sure, yeah. Yeah, and that hymn is a, a good resource, and as are many of the uh, expanded section of the, I think in the Lord's Supper section of the hymnal too, and if you haven't taken a look at that lately, good to re refresh your memory as to what's there, because there are some beautiful um newer hymns that touch on a lot of these themes. Um, uh, Phil? Well, I was just going to maybe keep the conversation moving forward then to, towards some application. Yeah, uh, please. Yeah. And, or, you know, sanctification type section of that um, and bringing us full circle to that theme of appetite. If this is what God is doing and what God is giving and blessing us with, both a vertical and horizontal unity and a koinonia, a partnership, a sharing in, um, back to the thought, how can we not have an appetite, a desire, a craving for that? To crave being in God's house, to crave the gospel, to crave the gospel in word and sacrament, and to, to receive this blessing physically, but also to crave being with fellow Christians, again, not only in God's house, but also at this meal. Um, it, it's just something that is a fruit of faith to just desire so badly to want what I so desperately need, um, this gospel and this very real meal here, in much the same way that um, many people, okay, not all families, but many people just look forward to Thanksgiving dinner and just being with family and sharing that food and the the joy of participating, uh, except for when your crazy uncle has some argument about politics. But, you know, you're still sinners and you're still together and you love them anyways. Uh, and you're sharing in that meal. And in the same way, just to crave something better than turkey and gravy. But the body and blood, actual body and blood of the Lord for the forgiveness of sins that unifies us with him and with each other. So um, there's got to be some kind of application, I would think, about just oozing joy and desire and appetite craving maybe is a good language you know to color with we're talking food a craving this meal and this participation with god and with others sure uh john yeah i i think you know probably every pastor has that shut-in that uh um really reminds them how special this is you know my normal practice is um, you go and you have a conversation first, right? You you find out how they're doing, what things am I going to include in the prayer? And, you know, um, I always like to to do the devotion and then leave with the, the Lord's Supper still, you know, the, the taste still in, in their mouth as kind of the thing that I leave with. But but there there's one lady who uh um Pastor, can can we can we get to the word? Can we can we have communion? Um, you know, just cannot wait, cannot uh um, and and she's happy to talk as long as you want after, but but it's just I I've been craving this. I need this, and mm -hmm. and what a cool picture that is for all of us. Uh, um, and you know how much she would love to be able to be at the altar with her with her brothers and sisters in Christ, but uh, uh, where she's at, you know that's she's not able to do that right now. Uh, but uh, but just that that desire, and I think that's kind of a a great reminder for me. Um, what a what a special thing this is and helps me to treasure it even more. Right. Right. Absolutely. Or if you've had encountered people who've been 
not been able to be at the Lord's table in a long time or traveling or deployed or something like that. Yeah. And uh, their, their eagerness to get back to it. Um, it just wakes us up to the treasure that we have in partaking of that meal and the fellowship that we share in it. Yeah. Any further thoughts for illustration application, uh, Joel? I, I have a neat prayer from Luther that I think kind of stresses. I, there's also the fact of in all this, I mean, Believing in the real presence is not obviously does not come naturally, and it's a matter of taking taking him at his word, um, which is part of the beauty of this passage because it backs up what Jesus says in the in the in the words of institution. And uh, I came across a Luther prayer that puts it this way: uh, Lord, even though it is true that I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, yet I need and desire your help and grace that I too may become pious. So I come relying on nothing but the welcome words that I have just heard, with which you have invited me to your table, and promise that I, an unworthy sinner, shall enjoy the forgiveness of all sins through your body and blood when I eat and drink it in this sacrament. Dear Lord, your word is true. I do not doubt this. And so I eat and drink with you. Be it unto me according to your word. Amen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, beautiful prayer. Uh, uh, any other Additional thoughts might be helpful to preachers. Um, uh, Phil? Just to circle around one more time to what John had mentioned about um, the full circle, so to speak, of the great feast that we have and enjoy with uh, the saints in heaven. And when you're talking about craving and appetite, you know, sometimes we get very frustrated with God and our worldly things, especially when tragedy strikes. You know, I'm angry with God that I lost my spouse, my grandma, whatever. <laughs> but those who die in the Lord are at that feast already. And, you know, you miss your your grandma. Well, commune with the lamb, with with her, you know? I mean, what an awesome moment. I think of someone uh, I personally know who lost a uh, husband tragically every, every time at communion uh, with tears in the eyes because she knows that's that's my time with him. Um, where he's at the marriage feast and I'm on the other side at the marriage feast. And so maybe again, just on that craving appetite side, what a, what a beautiful thing, you know, all those loved ones you miss and the hurt and the pain uh, even more, not only are we joined with each other and with Christ, but also joined with them uh, in this meal too. Just a, yet another reason to be filled with joy and to crave something so special. Yeah. One body like verse 17, uh, Saints on earth and hosts of heaven uh, all together uh, joined uh, by the grace of God. Uh, anything further, final thoughts or theme ideas? Um, anything that you want to share um, just to maybe spark an idea for preachers? No one's got one yet, it looks like. You're still thinking about it. Joel? I had a, a pretty straightforward theme. Just this is a blessed holy communion. Um, and then kind of unpack it from there, mm -hmm. especially that idea of communion, because we don't, I mean, we use the word all the time, but do we always uh, explore what that, what is that word? What do we mean by that? And, and mm -hmm. different, different ways that's, that's expressed in, in the Lord's Supper. Yeah. 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 Monday Thursday, oh, sorry, Holy Thursday was always an opportunity. You can still call it Monday Thursday. I'll give you permission, uh, if 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 only by accident. I'm still getting used to that. But you know, often we mention the Lord's Supper, Holy Communion, as uh, an application or as um, 
you know, encouragement to the table to receive more of God's grace or a concrete form of receiving God's grace and forgiveness. But um, this is a festival on which, you know, that can take a little bit more center stage, I always thought, or this is an opportunity to uh, focus in on it, um, you know, not just uh, at at the end of the sermon, but here it is right uh, in the middle of everything, um, appreciating this gift. So yeah, that Joel's theme, short, simple, just reminded me of that. Any further uh, ideas? All right. Well, I'll leave it up to preachers then to um, turn their listeners' attention to this holy meal and the koinonia that God gives us with him through uh, this participation in the body and blood of our Savior. And then, of course, the koinonia that we have with one another through that. Uh, all right. God bless you, preachers, as you proclaim this gracious gift of Christ's body and blood and the fellowship we share in it.